0: In your side O oh lord our rock and our redeemer amen i'll oh, please be seated do you open up your bibles if you would to um, to matthew chapter 28 matthew chapter 28 today um some of our scriptures will be in the new international version not because there's anything wrong with the version that is in the english standard um, bible but because many of you uh, over the last years uh, 85 of you as a matter of fact have memorized our scripture today in um in the niv and so to help um help remind you of that scripture we'll we'll read it today out of the niv well over the last few weeks as we've talked together about the harvest we've We've, we've looked at what, what is this vision that God has, has given us to live on purpose in the midst of challenging seasons, right? Uh, when we started this uh, series, even six, seven weeks ago, we had no idea some of the challenges that we would face. But, but we knew that, that God had a vision for us even in the midst of the challenges, Part of that vision we discovered was a vision for us to have a passionate life. A passionate life, right? We look together at the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart. In other words, passionately with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, Jesus said. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We also saw that Jesus had a vision for us to have a prayerful life, right? Remember the introduction to the Lord's Prayer. This then is how you should pray. Not what you should pray, but how you should pray. King of the universe invites you to converse with him. The king of the universe invites you to speak to him. And I want to, I'm going on my own here for a second, but but to cry out to him, to, to stamp your feet at him. He's got broad shoulders to relate to him, right? He wants to be in communion with you. And one of the greatest gifts that he's given us to do that is this vision for a prayerful life. But he's also, Jesus is also granting us a vision for a purposeful life, for a purposeful life. And that's what I would like to explore with you together today. I want to I say that, that each of you are a unique creation of God and his purpose in your life will be to some extent unique to you. And it will be it will be beautiful to capture that so many of you are already uh, sensing that and living into whom God has called you to be, but there's also an aspect for all of us that uh, of his purpose that is the same as well and to 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 grab insight into that purpose, we go to Matthew 28, beginning at verse 16 through 20. Again, while you're turning there, I would note that in Matthew's account of the resurrection, uh, remember he, he appeared to two women in the garden and he entrusted the most incredible news that the world has ever heard has ever known he entrusted it first to these two women to go back to the the 12 in particular but there are more we've discovered up up to 72 disciples who who are actively waiting? What, how many? There's 120 in the upper room at Pentecost. So there's a lot of men and women who are waiting for this amazing news of the resurrection. And he he sends these two women back to them. But in Matthew's account, there's there's some aspect of this that is not recorded in the other accounts. He tells them to go back to Galilee. He says, "I want I want you to go back to Galilee. There's something that's going to happen 80 miles away as crow flies. I want you to go back." Back there, so I can tell you, right? And, and in a sense, it's kind of a test of obedience. Will they now, with this news that he has risen from the dead, will they um, obey him and go back to Galilee, where many of them grew up, where many of them were called? Uh, would they go back to Galilee? And, and we find in Matthew 28 that they did. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the very mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Uh, don't get me started on what that mountain might be. I have so many uh, exciting thoughts about that. But when they saw him, verse 17, they worshipped him. It's exactly what those two women in the garden did. They worshipped him. But some doubted. But some doubted. And it it causes us to think for just a second, were there some who were worshiping and some who were sitting over here doubting? Or is it possible that you can worship God and doubt at the same time? Um, I want to suggest to you the latter, and this is Dave, but I want to suggest that to you because of the words that come next. Doubters and worshipers. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. The very word of God. Mm. Thank you, God. Well, Wow. Wow. I said to you that that Jesus is giving to us a, a vision of purpose, right? To have a purposeful life. What what can we learn from this brief these brief verses that many of you again have memorized and that's almost a danger isn't it because because your brain slips into auto mode right when when something is a little too familiar with uh, to you it slips into auto mode and and we're in grave danger then of missing something some treasure that God has for us in that scripture what are some of the principles that we see here in the scripture. The reason I went all the way back to 16 instead of starting at 18, the natural place to start there, was because if you miss this first one, you miss everything. If you miss this first principle, then the rest of it is, is not going to happen. And this first principle is that all authority and power has been given to Jesus. Now, now the authority is very clear in our passage here. You he said, where, where is the power here? I want to remind you of last week, right? When he commissioned the 12 when he commissioned the 72 he gave them authority and power but he's saying here it's all been given to me it's all been given to me right um oh paul paul echoes this in in ephesians 1 verse 18 he says i pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, in you, right? And his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. The power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also the one to come. Do you, I know this is a lot of Pauline language right here, but it, he's trying to express to you uh, the glory of this statement that all power and authority has been given to Jesus. Some of you might remember in, in our study of Daniel last year, Daniel, in, in the first major vision that Daniel had that had to do with him, not with the kings that he was serving, he said, in my vision at night, I looked, Daniel 7, 13 through 14, I looked and there was before me one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the Ancient of Days, uh, uh, Father God, right? Um, and was led into his presence. And he was given, Daniel seeing this, Uh, In his vision. He was given authority and glory and sovereign power. All peoples and nations and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Oh, I pray that we never lose sight of the glory and the authority and the power that has been given to Jesus, right? That's why we worship him. Because of who he is. He is the living God and has been granted all authority and power. Well, why am I camping on that this morning when we're talking together today about our purpose? First, because he did. It was in his word. But secondly, because what does he do with that? He gives it to us. He commissions us, commissions us he invites us into his mission with that same authority and power. Right? Why? Why? To make disciples. Just as Jesus made those uh, 12 disciples as Jesus sent out those 72 disciples, as Jesus drew together 120 disciples, now he's saying, I give you authority. You, you, I give you authority and power to do that same thing. To do that same thing, right? He says, now I'm going I'm I'm to begin uh, translating it for you. He says, "In your going, in your going." He said, "No, my Bible says this command: go." Um, there's a there, there's one command here in this, in this thing, and then and then several supporting participles to help you understand how to fulfill it. The command, the purpose that God gives us, beloved, is to make disciples. And in all that, we say it this way, to make disciples who make disciples, right? We remind ourselves that the way we know a disciple is made is when that person also is able to make disciples. But he says, in your going, it's not in the active, go as like you're doing something that you weren't doing before. It's not in the passive voice, be gone, like it's something that you have no control over, Right? It's actually very intentionally couched in the middle voice in your going. In other words, in whatever you do, in whatever you do, make fully devoted disciples, fully devoted disciples. We've we've spoken of it many times. I I just wanted to have it here so you could put it in your notes as well. Three backgrounds to the word disciple, a Greek word that means follower, a follower. Remember in his initial call, he said, follow me. It was that simple. Follow me. But, but it also in Greek means a learner. Learn from me. And I've challenged you a couple of weeks ago to be a lifelong learner of Jesus. There never comes a time when you wrap your brain, right, around the infinite God. And so uh, the entire uh, time that we spend on earth is going to be a, a season of learning. Uh, the word disciple means a learner. But then we went also to the Hebrew word for disciple as well and 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 that is one who is like their master and 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 the question for us was are we becoming like Jesus you see the problem is most of us would say that uh, that we're followers of Jesus Christ right but a fully devoted follower a disciple is a person whose heart is completely given to Christ and to his purposes. Again, if I asked you, so many of you, if I said, is your heart given to Christ, you would, you would immediately say yes. But if I asked you, is your heart given to Christ and his purposes? It might give us pause, right? But But Jesus never had that in his mind, that you could somehow be devoted to him and not to his purposes. You can't say in Jesus' understanding that you've given your heart to Christ and then ignore what he tells you to do. For those of you who are online with us today, um, there's a fire engine leaving next door, and, and I'm, always, I'm always struck when I hear that. I get to hear that all day long. Uh, somebody out there is in need, and so, God, we just pray you would meet that need right this moment. And then bless these um, These men and women who are racing there to help and protect them. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So so Jesus had no concept that you could be devoted to him and not to his purposes, right? And just as Jesus came in the authority of his father and poured his life into a small group of followers, now he grants you his authority and charges you to do the same. And charges you to do the same. To in your going make fully devoted disciples or followers of all. And then our Bible say nations. But we've learned before that that's not the word. There's a different word for nations. The word is ethnos. Of all ethnicities. Of all people groups. And, and and if you really want to have your mind blown, just Google Christian people groups. Right? Uh, it's such a different way of understanding our our commission. Right? There's 70 plus people groups in the greater Evansville area, and and Jesus wants to to be represented in every single one of them. Right? There are thousands of people groups in the world that have never heard not one. A person has come to them and shared with them in in their heart language in a way that they can understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? There's work to be done, beloved. And he has entrusted that work to us locally, uh, regionally, and internationally as well. He charges us of making disciples of all people groups. Those of you students, when you think about your campus... Um, particularly those of you in middle school or high school or even in college, you, you see that people start to clump together, don't they? Sometimes it's because of, of origin their or background, but, but many times it's because of passion or something. I know I can't, I can't even describe the people groups on a high school campus now. I'm so out of it. But in my day, we had the Goths. In my day, we had the, um, the, the Jocks. We had the, I know this is an ancient word, preppies, right? Okay, some of you are ancient like me, I can see. Um, you had the preps, we had all these people groups, right? And Jesus wanted to take his gospel to all of them. There is plenty of purpose for us to do. So let me let me press pause for a second, a quick pause for understanding. Ask yourself, am I making disciples? Am I making disciples? Now, in fairness, let me remind you of what we've learned in our series here. Everyone is making disciples, right? All the time, right? The question is, what kind of disciples are we making? Are we making followers of us? Are we making followers of some political party? Are we making followers of some temporary trend in, in uh, humanity right now? Or are, we, are people being transformed into the image of Jesus, right? Are we making followers of Jesus? Or to put it another way, not just am I making disciples, but in whom am I pouring the life and love of Jesus? Into whom am I pouring the life and love at Jesus? And just for a pause moment here, remember that we begin at home. We begin with the people that God has entrusted to our care. But we also think about how we can make disciples where. We already are. That might be a workplace. It might be a neighborhood. It might be a soccer team. It might, you know, the place that we already are, what would it look like to make disciples there? And then also we listen carefully, carefully. It's so important to spend time in God's word so we learn to recognize the voice of the shepherd, so that we learn to recognize the inklings of the Holy Spirit. We listen carefully for the Holy Spirit to direct us where he wants us to go. Right here in the middle point here, I just want to say to you, in whom are you pouring your life that they might be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ? It's another way of asking our lead question today. Are you fulfilling God's purpose for your life? There's no, no ounce of condemnation or accusation in that, beloved. Just invitation to live into the purpose that God has already given you, right? Well, let's continue. The big question then is how do we do this? How do we make fully devoted followers? How do we make followers Uh, jesus gives us in his word a plan right there is there is a plan let me just start by by um, taking a large principle then we'll go back to our matthew 28 to pick up a couple more but first of all we witness to what we've seen and heard we witness to what we've seen and heard in acts 1 Uh, the disciples met together with Jesus. This is post-resurrection. And they said, Lord, is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And that famous passage, he said, it's not for you to know the Kairos or the Kronos. It's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. There it is again. Power and authority, right? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, your town in which you live, in the region of Judea and Samaria, the people who are like you and not like you. Remember that study? To the ends of the earth, to every unreached people group, you will be my witnesses. The disciples were wondering when and Jesus Wondered who, who, who will step up. Hmm. We talked about witnessing before. I won't go there again, but what happens in an accident, right? They ask, were there any witnesses who can say who, what, when, where, right? Were there any witnesses? But I'm not talking about an accident. Now I'm talking about a on purpose i'm talking about the living god choosing to come to earth and to reveal himself to you what are you doing with that amazing uh, knowledge that god has entrusted i'm not asking what happens after an accident i'm asking i'm asking what happens after an on purpose right we witness to what we've seen and heard we don't make anything up We don't go beyond the knowledge that he has given us. We just declare what we know to be true. But also, but also we immerse them. Question, how do we make disciples? We witness to what we've seen and heard. We immerse them in the community of the Trinity. You're thinking, what, where did you get that? It said baptize them, right? That's when we, that's when we um, do this public um, declaration, when we do this public symbol. My question to you is, what is it a symbol of, right? Don't lose the reality for the symbol that represents that reality, right? That was the, the amazing thing about the sacrament of communion. Do not lose the sight of what this bread and this cup represents right it's just a symbol of this larger reality and what is the symbol or what is the larger reality that 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 water baptism is a an expression of many of us would immediately go well to the fact that i am dying to self and rising to christ and you'd be absolutely right but what about this in the name of right We've learned together that the name represented the character it represented the nature of someone right and and so I want to cast a vision for you to understand that God has forever existed in community God from before the foundation of the world existed in, in, in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why is that so important? Because God is inviting us into that community, right? What you do when you witness, when you make a disciple, is that you immerse them in the community of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Right? That's what we are. We are the community of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen? I know, I know I'm pushing this really hard because I, I, I know I'm prone to losing the larger principle behind the symbolism. And, and, and what God has done is opened up his, his trinity to you. You can walk and talk with the Father. You can walk and talk with the Son. You can walk. And I can think of scriptures. Every time I say this, our scripture is coming to mind. We're we're called to walk in the Spirit, right? You can walk and talk with the Holy Spirit. God has opened up this community of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to you. Women of God, men of God. Let's live into that reality, right? Let's not get distracted by artificial communities that will never stand the test of time. Let's live into the greatest one, which we've been invited into, and let's immerse other people in that community. I've shared with you um, uh, Henry and Mary Sue. Um, It's just been such a privilege to immerse them in that community and through all the struggles of the last years for them to be able to taste and see that God is real that he's alive and that he has a family and that family has invited them in that is one of our jobs we immerse we immerse them even before they make a profession of faith right Um, we immerse them into the community of the Trinity but we also teach them, right? We also teach them. And and what do we teach them? We teach them the commandments of God, right? A couple of you are going, shh, 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 I smell a rat. He's, he's setting a trap for us. And I am a little bit, a little bit. Oh, you have to know the word of God. And, and, and. and and what I'm so grateful to God for is that anyone can open that word and be taught by the Holy Spirit, right? You don't, you don't need a pastor. You don't need anybody else. You can go to the Word of God. I love it that we come together in small groups to learn from one another ab- about the Word of God. But any of us can be taught of the Holy Spirit. But, but what he commanded them to teach was not knowledge, was not more data. He taught them to obey, to put into practice what they already knew. We've said that so many times, right, that, that most of us, of all of us, know far more than we're putting into practice. We know far more than we're putting into practice. And Jesus says, don't just teach for knowledge Teach for obedience, right? Teach for obedience. I've shared this with you before, but when we, our kids were growing up, um, we were so blessed to meet with many of you in a, in a course called, um, um, oh, the name just jumped out of my head. What was it called? Um, Raising Kids God's Way, Growing Kids God's Way. And one of the principles in that was um, a principle that literally has saved my children's life. And that was the principle of first time obedience, right first time obedience we 've all been in that situation we said i 'm going to count to thirty, and if you 're not obeying by the time I 'm counting to thirty, right well, a truck can run over somebody in thirty seconds right um, we 've all gotten to that point where i 'm at two and a half i 'm going to count to three two and three quarters right we've got, we 've gotten gotten that way and and it was so life giving to Karen and I to to be reminded that that you can teach them first time obedience, and that actually became a phrase in our household. We say first time obedience. We'd have to do all that other stuff. First time obedience, right? But how many times as followers of Jesus do we do we um, negotiate with God, you know, and and prolong and say, well, he's not using my middle name yet, therefore I'm not gonna I'm not gonna answer yet. When we're immersing people in the community of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus invites us to teach them to obey, to put into practice. Now, there's a step of, a huge step of faith here, right? Because a lot of the world questions the things that are in Scripture, right? But, but we are not the world. We are out of the world, right? We are in it, but not of it. And, and we have come to trust in everything that God's word says. And so we hear today Jesus saying, now I want you to take that to the next level. I want you to teach people to respond. But when you do that, come on up worship team. When you do that, um, remember that God's commands are born out of love, right? The reason that I teach my children first time obedience is because when they start to walk into that street and I say, stop, I say, stop, I want them to stop right then, right? Because they don't see the car that's coming down. They don't see the danger that's lurking, right? His commands are not born out of meanness or, or um, megalomania or a desire to control. His commands are born out of love. He wants what's best for us, right? The hardest part of all is, is to anchor ourselves in this truth that God's commands are always born out of his love for us. but I want you to understand today well let me ask you differently and and I'm not manipulating you I just I just I just want you to see a couple logical inconsistencies um, do you love Jesus? do you? Um, would you say that out loud if you love Jesus? do you love Jesus? Yeah. Those of you at home, you're not exempt from this, right? Right there in your living room, would you say, yes. Do you love Jesus? Yes, Yes, right? True obedience is born out of love, right? It's born out of love. Compliance might be born out of pragmatism right if i do this now then i'll get this later but that's compliance is not obedience obedience is born out of love if you love me jesus said you'll obey my commandments what's the corollary to that if if you don't obey my commandments then you don't love me right oh my goodness Again, don't hear condemnation, hear invitation. Jesus is inviting his disciples into a deeper experience of who he is. But a part of that includes uh, adopting as our own his purposes as well. My goal is not to put you in despair because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. All of us have not loved like we ought to. Amen. Right. There is no judgment for that. there's just an invitation into a deeper experience of his presence and his love, and that brings us to the promise at the end of this surely and surely he says, I am with you always to the very end. Of the age. He didn't say, I'm with you when I could see evidence of your love. He didn't say, I'm with you in the times when you do what I say. He said to all the disciples, all those who were following him, I am with you always to the very end of the age. He will never leave us or forsake us. And those of you who are living right now in brokenness um, know that He'll never leave you. He never rejects the broken. In fact, it's a very special place for them. It is hard, right? He will not abandon you. But what does this mean for us? We have to accept God's invitation to immerse ourselves in him. So don't think about quiet time as something that you do so you can check a little box on your Sunday bulletin, right? It's, it, it's an invitation to immerse yourself in God's presence, right? And then, and then when, you, when you have to go back, because you have real lives, when you go back out into the world, when you leave the time that you have dedicated for him, practice that presence of Christ, right? I'm stealing a phrase from Brother Andrew, but practice the presence of, God, of Christ wherever you go, Remember that wherever you go, he goes, right? Sounds like a fireman movie. Wherever you go, he goes. So practice that presence. And, and when God gives you opportunity, testify to what you've seen and heard. Testify to what you know to be true. Use words, but if, if necessary, but as, as uh, attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, you know, um, let your life speak as well. Testify in in everything you do and everything you say as to the glory of Jesus Christ. And at some point, we'll talk about this in the future, but at some point, invite people into community with you. And and I don't know no better way to do that. uh, No more purposeful way to do that than to invite them into a discovery Bible study, a DBS. A DBS with you. Um, we'll, do, we'll revisit DBS again another time, but it's a sweet invitation to let the Holy Spirit lead a community into a deeper experience of who He is. So, how about you? Um, life, life is hard, and life is is busy, right? And and life will ask you a thousand questions for a thousand commitments. But what about the most primary one? Will you fulfill my purpose for you? Jesus asks. How will you respond? I gave my life for you, my child. How will you respond? Will you offer yourself, heart, soul, mind and strength, passionately for and to Jesus. Will you invite someone else to experience his presence also? Will you?